This week's parsha is Parshas Tazriah Mitzayra. And at the beginning of Parshas Tazria, the Torah gives us the mitzvah once again of Milah. On the eighth day, a yid is supposed to be mal besar arlasay. The Chinuch in Mitzvah Beis, the second mitzvah in the Torah, discusses the mitzvah of Milah. And as always, he gives a shirish of the mitzvah. He explains the underpinnings, uh, the musr underpinnings, the ashkafic underpinnings of this uh, vital mitzvah of milah. And he says, what's the point of this mitzvah? Why is it that the Rabbi Shalom was mitzvah, klal Yisrael, to be mal themselves? ba'am. Asher Hivdil, Lies Nikral Shemai, Ais Kavua Begufam. Hakadishparcho separated Klal Yisrael as his nation. This is something that we are conditioned nowadays to have a knee jerk reaction and to feel that it might be a, uh, a racist sort of statement when we speak about ourselves as the Amanivcha, we're the chosen people. And, um, and it's unfortunate that we feel that way, that we feel guilty for having this title as being the Amanivchar, because we are. It's not a matter of, you know, yes, no, we are. The Rabbi Shalom chose us as his nation, and we should be very proud of that. It doesn't mean that we are a superior people. That's not what uh, it means. It means that Hashem with his love, chose us as his nation. And as such, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted us to have a special ice, to have a special sign that's kavua in our bodies, a physical sign that we are special, that we are different, that we are muvdo, we are separated from the rest of the world. L'havdila mishar ha'amim gufam, the same way that the nefesh of a yid is special, it's muvdal, it's hufrash, it's different than the rest of the world. Our neshamas are different. What that means, I don't know exactly how to characterize our neshama versus a guy's neshama, but it's a different neshama. It's not the same neshama. And the same way that our neshama is different, it's more elevated, it's more holy, it perhaps has more spiritual ambition than a guy's. In that same vein, we are supposed to reflect in our bodies that difference. The same way that our soul is different, our body should also have a very distinct difference between our physicality and a guy's. The Chinuch says that the comings and goings of a Yid is different than the comings and goings of a guy. We're different. We're just plain different. And the same way that we're different spiritually, we're different physically. And to show that and to remind ourselves of that, we have a mitzvah of bris milah. And he says... 
Why weren't we born physically different then? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to show us that we're different, so every Jew, let's say we should all be magically born gemout. A Yid should have a, maybe be born in a physical way different. If our neshama is different, wouldn't that be amazing if our guf would, would automatically be different and that we'd be able to have a sign born not a manufactured sign, but an actual inborn sign that we're different. So the Chinuch addresses this and he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that the Hashlama should be Ayyidei Adam, that the physical manifestation of our difference should be man-made. Not to have been born perfect, created from the womb in a perfect way, but rather that we have to fix our guf so that it is perfect. An amazing line of the Chinuch, that the same way that physically it's our task and it's our within our ability to change our physical bodies to make it into a yid, that's the same way that our neshama could also be improved. How do we improve our neshama? If I'm born with a neshama, how do I improve it? My midas are here. How do I bring my midas up? I could do that. I could do that myself, just like I could have, if I'm a male, I could improve my body. I could also improve my soul. How? So I think this is the first place that the chinuch gives its famous yisayid. What's the famous Yisai that the Chinuch says time and time again? That the Adam is nifal kefi pu'ulaisav. A person has the ability to change himself through his actions. What does that mean through his actions? I think in the modern vernacular, it's, there's an expression, fake it till you make it. What does that mean? If let's say I'm not inspired to get out of bed in the morning to go to Davin, I'm just lazy, I'm just not, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, it really, I, I, I'm not naturally so into davening. So what do, you, what do you do? How do you change that? You could get 10 alarm clocks, it's not going to work. The Chinuch would advise you, you know what you should do if you want to get excited about coming to davening? Jump out of bed and run to yeshiva to daven. And you know what's going to happen then? the of that external action that you do, is going to have a major impact on your, on your excitement internally. It will trigger something. It will ignite a fire within. By acting a certain way, by even faking it, that will eventually make you want to do it. Same thing with learning. I don't really want to learn. What do, you, what do I do? I come in with a geschmack and I learn and I pretend that I'm like into it. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to be into it. This is the first place I believe the Chinuch says this, Yisrael. It sort of, he slips it, you know, in a different language. But he's saying that the same way that my bris, I could affect humanly, I could humanly affect my soul also. I can make my soul holier and more excitable and more spiritually elevated by my pu'ulis, also by my human intervention. Just like the bris is a human activity, the bris milah, that's how I affect my guf, my soul could be affected like that also. I could also change my soul 
through human intervention. It's an amazing insight that the Chinuch gives. So the insight of bris milan in a nutshell is that it's a sign that we're different. It's a sign that a yid is different than a guy. We're different. And being that we're different, we have to stay different. We have to stay separate from the Gaim. When Rav Huttner hired as the Manal in his Masifta, in the Masifta of Chaim Berlin, he hired a very Chashavat Hamachacham who became a, um, a world-noted educator. He's like, he was, he was Nifter, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. His name was Rav Chaim Siegel. And he was, everybody in the world of Chinuch knows Reb Chaim Siegel. He was a tremendous pikeach, and he was a, an educator's educator. And when he was hired many years ago, maybe 40, 50 years ago, he asked Reb Huttner, listen, you're hiring me to be the manal in your masifta. What is my main task? What do you, as my boss, so to speak, as my Rosh Hashiva, what do you want me to accomplish with a Talmidim? What's the number one thing on your list that you want me to instill in the Talmidim. What's the Chinuch modus operandi here in Yeshiva? And Reb Hudner says, there's one thing that I want you to do with the Talmidim. I want you to be mechanech them that a Yid is different than a guy. A Yid and a guy are two different things. They're not the same, you know, but we were a yarmulke and tzitzis and tefillin, a yid and a guy are two different universes. That's the most important thing that I want you to be mechanech in my Talmidim. That a yid is not a guy with a yamaka. A yid is a yid. A yid has an neshama ilah. A yid has an elevated neshama. A yid's guf is different. A yid's neshama is different. A yid's, like the Chinuch says, asher maitzam umavam ein we're different. In all of our comings, in all of our goings, we're different. We might look the same, we might dress the same, but we're inherently different. A yid and a guy is different. Bris Mila is a constant reminder in our guf that a yid is different than a guy. And you know something, even at Hayyim, even though many Gayim are gemalt also, for medical reasons, they've discovered, like many other things in the Torah, that it's actually healthy to have a bris milah. And so many Gayim, I think 80% of Americans, if I'm not mistaken, American males are gemalt. So you could say, okay, well, now that, that, there goes that. It's still Adayim known as a Jewish sign. Everybody knows that a bris milah is something that a Yid has, Period. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that Goyim don't have it, but a Yid does have it. And that's the Jewish, that's the greatest. They don't know necessarily about, about Kashrus, and they don't know necessarily about Liman Atayra, and they don't know about, uh, you know, about the mitzvah of Makkah and the mitzvah of Shulach HaKam. There is one mitzvah that every guy knows about that makes a Jew different, and that's circumcision. That's the way it is. Because this is what is rooted in a Yid's guf. And Gayim are understanding that there is a difference between a Yid. We don't understand always that there's a difference between a Yid, but Gayim do. Because this is the sign in the Guf. Just like our Nishama is different, our Guf must be different as well.
I'll bring the strangest maramakam to this. The strangest maramakam. And it's not even nice to use the word maramakam. But you know who this the best? This difference between a yid and a guy that we forget all the time. And how brismila is something that is so diametrically opposed to everything that a guy is. Hitler, Yamachshemai. Hitler, I'm going to quote three speeches that he made, three lines of dramatic speeches that he made, and you'll see it's mamash the chinuch. He understood the chinuch better than I could ever explain it. He says like this, Here I stand with my bayonets. That's right. There you stand with your law. We shall see who prevails. Meaning Hitler understood that his way of dealing with life, he was a barbarian. We have our bayonets, that's our ice. You have your law, he is addressing Klal Yisrael. And we'll see who wins. It's a fight to the finish between the sword, between the bayonet, and the law, and the Torah, and Kedusha. That's what the world is. That's how he saw it so clearly. He says another time, It is true we are barbarians. That is an honored title to us. I free humanity from the shackles of the soul, from the degrading suffering caused by the false vision called conscience and ethics. The Jews have inflicted two wounds on mankind circumcision on its body, and conscience on its soul. They are Jewish inventions. So you see that Hitler understood this chinuch. He says that Jews invented, obviously he was wrong with that, it was the Rabbi that invented it. The Jews didn't invent this. But the Rabbi understood that there are two things that a Jew must have circumcision on his body, and a conscience on his soul. What is a soul? What does it mean, a neshama? I have a neshama, you have a neshama. What does it mean? A neshama really means a conscience. It's what it is. When you have a guilty conscience over doing something, you do a certain avera, and then you feel like, you know, terrible after you do the avera. You know what that is? That's your neshama that's really angry and disappointed in you. That's what it is. A soul is a conscience. A soul is, comes from Shemaim. It's brought down to earth to remind us constantly what our mission is in life. And if we go through a day and we don't learn, we feel so eh. What's that feeling of eh? That's our neshama screaming at us. Hey, why didn't you learn? You went through a whole day and you couldn't open up a safe for the whole day? That's a neshama. If we look at something that we're not supposed to, we watch something that we're not supposed to, how do we feel the next day? feel like we let something down. There's something wrong with me. How could I do that? What do you mean, how could you, you? You enjoyed it last night. Yeah, but this morning I feel awful. Why? Because my neshama finally was able to wake up and, and, and give me a musashmus. A neshama is really just a conscience. And that conscience is what Hitler was doing battle against. He wanted a world that you don't have any conscience. There's nothing to feel guilty about. If you're a barbarian... You have nothing to feel guilty about. You can kill people. You could hurt people. You could 
impose your, you know, yourself on other people in different ways. You could be over the Gimel Chamurais and you just laugh about it. There's no law, there's no conscience, there's no morals, there's no ethics, there's no social norms. It's all whatever you want to do. That's Hitler's approach to life. A Yid's approach to life is diametrically opposed to Shamayim Ba'aretz. We have a conscience. We know that we can't get away with things. We try and we, we do things and we sin and we act sometimes unethically and immorally. We do that also. A Jew is not a malach. But the difference is that when we do it, it bothers us tremendously. It bothers us. It like haunts us. Because we have an ishama and it's pumping and it's alive and it's reminding us that we're a yid, we're different, we can't do this. We have a shulchan aruch. We don't always stick to the shulchan aruch, unfortunately. But when we don't, it bothers us. Now this is a parsha tazriya mitzayra. Lashon hara. Lashon hara is something that's kulam b'lashon hara, I think the Gemara says. It's, you know, everybody violates lashon hara. It's the hardest mitzvah to, uh, to observe properly. It's hard. It's a hard mitzvah to observe. So what's the difference between, between us and between B'nai Taira and people that are not B'nai Taira or Gayim? Everybody gossips. So what's the difference? The difference is that a B'nai Taira, when you speak Lashon Hara, you feel awful afterwards. You're not happy about it. You're not, I got a great session of Lashon Hara, and you feel like afterwards, like, what did I do? You know, your conscience starts to hurt you and haunt you. That's good. That's a good thing. I think Rav Chatzkel said it's ain't daima, somebody that does an aver with a krechts and somebody that doesn't do an aver with a krechts. A krechts means like a, like a, like a, like a, a moan. You're like, I, I feel terrible that I did that. That's good. That means that your neshama is still alive. The, the, the scary thing is when you start doing Averis and you couldn't care less, with reckless abandon, you start speaking Lachanar and you're fine with it. You watch things and you're fine with it. You do activities and you're fine with it. You, you eat things that are not proper to eat. You look at things you're not supposed to. You listen to things that you're not supposed to and you don't care. That's when you got a problem because that's when the neshama, you know, you could say Kaddish for it because it's not alive anymore. As, as long as we have a conscience, then we're still, we have some rhythm, we have some pulse in our neshama. And Hitler was doing battle, not with the, only with the battle, with the body of the Jew, which he did quite well. Six million karbanis. Six million karbanis. I was once in the old city near Shalayim, and there's a, a whole book that it's a big fat book, it's like a very expensive book, and all it is, in very small font, Jew, 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 that's the whole thing. Very easy book to write, but a very hard book to read. It's six million word Jews, just to give you a little bit of a musug of what Hitler did. Six million just became like a number, like, you know, six, it's just a, you know, it doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't shake us. If you think what six million is, if I gave you six million dollars, you'd be a very wealthy man. If I asked you to count to the number six million, you probably couldn't do it in this lifetime. Six million Kedoshim, six million physical bodies he destroyed. That was the, that was his war against the Guf. 
He's quite successful. And he also was waging a war against the neshama, against the conscience of humanity. And he was probably pretty successful in that also. Because with the six million Kedoshim gone, six million beacons of conscience were also snuffed out. He also said, the struggle for world domination is waged only between the two of us, between these two camps alone, the Germans and the Jews. Everything else is but deception. Meaning that all of the other things in the world that was going on in World War II, and you read about the Axis powers and Japan and Pearl Harbor and America and Italy and Mussolini and all of these things that are going on in the world is Churchill, and Hitler looked at that as just deception. That doesn't matter. He saw that as just a deception. That's just fog in the way of the real battle. The battle that he was waging was not so much world domination. That was secondary to him. The main battle that he was waging was a battle against the Jew. What was he against? What, what, why were we such a threat to him? We were a threat to him physically, and we were a threat to him morally. Because he was a barbarian, and he was trying to stop the efforts of the Jew to spread a conscience to the world. Think about it. The Jew, because we are who we are, if we're doing our job properly, we are the Arlagayim, we are the conscience of the world. If there is any morality in the world... It's a Jewish notion. Morality, the Aseris HaDibras, mitzvahs in the Torah, certain understandings, Ben Adam L'chavera, Ben Adam L'makayim, all of these Christians and Muslims, they all are offshoots of Klal Yisrael and of the Torah, of the Rabbeinu Shalom. The Jew represents all things good and proper and morally fine on planet Earth. Without the Jew in the world, all the things that we assume to be true and good would not be there. I saw from Rav Shimon Schwab, and I think I quoted in the Shabbos HaGadol Joshua, Rav Shimon Schwab says, you know, everybody, you know, President Lincoln, he freed the slaves, he liberated, you know, all of the, the, the Africans and African Americans in, in America during, after the Civil War, Emancipation Proclamation. Where did he get this from, President Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, where did he get this notion from that we all accept today as true and, and necessary liberty and freedom? Where is this from? So Rav Schwab says that it's from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was the template that set in motion all of these concepts that we accept today, that people accept today as being normal and acceptable and proper Freedom, and you can't have slaves, and you can't have... All this is all from Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim. The Rabbi Yisrael freed Klal Yisrael from Mitzrayim. From then on, all of these notions of human freedom and liberty, democracy, all of these come straight from the Torah. Without the Jew, without the Yid, without the Torah, the world would be a completely uncivilized, barbaric place, and Hitler knew this. So he waged the war against the Yid physically, by destroying us, our bodies, burning our bodies, Rahman by the millions, 
burying in ditches and everything to degrade the human body because that's the anger, the seething hatred that he had against our bodies because that chaisam, that icebris kaidesh, bothered him so much that Klal inflicted on our bodies kedusha. Bodies are not supposed to be meant for kedusha. Barbarians use their bodies to do things opposite kedusha. The Ivanim, Amalek, these are people, are, my body is supposed to be for beauty, for taiva. It's not supposed to be for kedusha. You don't touch the icebreaks. That's not something that's, you, you leave that. That's for, that's taiva. Hitler understood that if he was able to destroy the Jew, maybe he'd be able to stop this notion that there is some holiness to the physicality. And at the same time, by destroying our neshama, he was hoping to destroy the conscience that a Jew brought to the world. I once went to a parlor meeting years ago. Um, across the street from my house, somebody was hosting a parlor meeting for Yeshivas Sharatayr, which is a very chashiv yeshiva in Kew Gardens. And it was uh, the Rosh Yeshiva there. He's no longer alive. His name is Rebzelig Epstein. Rebzelig was one of the G'daylim of America. He was not as well-known, let's say, as, uh, as the others, only because... He didn't want to take part in the Mayatzis today, I tell you. He didn't want anything. To, he wanted to sit and learn and run his yeshiva and uh, advise people privately. As much as the G'dayle Eretz Yisrael wanted him to take the helm of, like, you know, of many of the, the big organizations in America, he sort of did not want to. So he wasn't like maybe on the, you know, on, on the celebrity that other G'daylem were, but people that were the Mevin and people that knew they knew that he was like number one. He was like really a, a, an incredible pikeach, an incredible gobble. So he spoke by this, uh, by this parliament meeting, and I, he said a vart, and I'll tell you over the vart. It's, it was right before Purim, I think this parliament meeting was, and he said that this is a vart that he told her of Shach, and of Shach had a lot of Hanah from. So he says like this, every week in Havdalah, we say in the middle of Abdullah, Pasuk from Megillus Esther. And then we say, The Yidin had all of these things. They had light and they had happiness. This is at the end of the, the Mapala of Haman. They had preciousness. They had, they had uh, all types of great stuff. Came to Yelana and we should have it all. So he says, why are we saying this pasuk again, Havdalah? This is his vart. He said that at the time of the Suda of Achashverish, at the time of this feast of Achashverish, which really was the, the downfall of Klal Yisrael, this is why we were almost all destroyed, we felt, when we went to that Suda of Achashverish, that this is like a great breakthrough moment in Jewish history. Like, we are, like, really on the same level as the Goyim. Look at, the Goyim are inviting us to our parties. Imagine if you were invited to the White House for a, uh, you know, for a Thanksgiving feast. And they're going to give you your kosher meal and everything, don't worry. But you're, you know, you're sitting with all the chashuvim 
in the White House and you're sitting with all the, you know, all the senators and the congressmen and maybe some, some foreign leaders and some uh, big businessmen and you're sitting and here I am with my yarmulke and my beard and my tzitzis. And you feel like, you know, wow, I'm, I'm like, I made it. I've made it into high society. This is great. The Jew is no longer segregated in, a, in some ghetto and some pushed behind some, some walls. We're here, we made it, it's our coming out party, and that's how the Jew felt during the time of Achashverosh. Think about it. The Jews in Shushan were invited to this grand feast that Achashverosh made in honor of his being king and third year of his Malchus, and all the Chashuvim, the governors, the senators from all the Kufchav Zayim Medinas came. The Yidin were like, wow, we're, we're one of them. It's great. We made it. We don't know, we don't have to be embarrassed about our religion, we don't have to like feel, so we, they, they, we're accepted as equals. We're equal. And then all of a sudden, not too long after that, and not coincidentally, it was precisely because of that Tzidav Achashverosh, Haman comes up with a gezera. he talks Achashverosh into destroying Anoshim Nashim Etafiyeimechad, genocide. And he says terrible Lashon Hara about us, he says that we're different, and we're mefayzer, mefayri ben amim. We're, we're, we're different. We take off every day, Shabbos and Pesach. We're always giving another excuse why we don't have to work, and we don't marry, intermarry with them, and we have different, we have a bris milah, and we have all different types of things, and no more. We have to get rid of these terrible people. And Achashverosh brought it hook, line, and sinker, and all of a sudden there was a gzair, and this was a wake-up call to the Yidden, that you're not the same. Don't believe for a minute that the Jew and the guy, that the guy and love you, and they accept you, they embrace you, they don't like you. They're different. You're different. And then when they realize this, finally, just in the nick of time, they did tshuva, and they came back to the Rabbi Shalom, the Rabbi Shalom upended the entire Gezerah, and then, they embraced four mitzvahs. What are they? The Gemara tells us. They started learning again Gishmak. The Simcha is Shabbos and Yantif. They started keeping Shabbos and Yantif properly. Sasen Zumila, Yikar Zutfilin. So they had Shabbos, they had Tyra, they had Tefillin, and they had Mila. Why these mitzvahs of all mitzvahs that they all of a sudden start like having a renaissance with? Very simple, says Reb Zalik, because these are four mitzvahs that separate us from the guy. Tyra, a guy that learns Tyra is Chayav Misa. A guy that keeps Shabbos is Chayav Misa. No Shaychas. We're going to say tomorrow, Shabbos is something that a guy has no Shabbos. If a guy keeps Shabbos, it's not Shabbos. He's Chayav Nisa. Tefillin is something that they're afraid of us. Gayim are afraid of us when they see a Yid wearing Tefillin. It's, it should put a, a fright into them. So Tefillin is also one of those firewalls that we have that the Gaim don't have, and of course, Milo. The Mishnah Dharam says that if a guy gets a bris Milo, he's still called an Aro. And if a Yid, for whatever reason, does not get a bris Milo, let's say, Shemesu Achad Machmas Milo, if a person's brother has died because 
every time they got a bris meal, they died. You don't have to get a bris meal, but you're still considered a yid in your gemalt to a certain degree. So that's another mitzvah that the Jew embraced to show that we're different. These are the four mitzvahs that are mavdilas from the Goyim. And that's why, says Reb Zalek to Reb Shach, every Matzai Shabbos, we say in Havdalah, La Yehudim, Haisa Eira, Vesimcha Vesimcha, because what's Havdalah? Hamavdil ben Kaidesh Lachel, ben Ar Lachesheth, ben Yisrael Amen. We have to recognize in Havdalah that there's differences in the world, there's some segregation, if you will, in the world between Kedusha, Kaidesh, and Chel, Ar and Chesheth, and Yisrael and Amen. Klal Yisrael is inherently different than Gayim. I'm not standing here to you today saying that Gayim are all bad and Jews are all good. That's not my point here. There are many Gayim that are very nice Gayim. I have a, you know, I'm not to fall into the trap of saying many of my friends are Gayim, but there, I know many Gayim and they're upstanding, fine people. They have morality and they have ethics and they're amazing people. And I you know, not to speak Lashonar, but there, there are Jews that I know that I'm not so crazy about. This is not a, uh, this is not a racist speech about how great the Jew is and how terrible the guy, guy is. But the fact is that there are differences, and there must be differences inherently between the Jew and the guy. And to the degree that we can understand that, and we can appreciate that, and we can try to aspire not just physically, but spiritually, to be higher than Gayim. That is our role in life. That is our number one mission in life. And in this Gullus, it's really hard to do. In other Gullus, and if you would f- rewind you know, back a hundred years, you would have no problem understanding the difference between a Jew and a guy because it was so in your face. It was so in your face. You wouldn't. You weren't able to get jobs. You weren't able to go to university if you were a Jew. You had to stay in a ghetto. You were not allowed to own land in many societies. That's why a lot of them had to be, you know, money lenders. They they were not. They, we were so restricted in what we could do. Poverty was rampant. The way that we the way that we looked, the way that we were dressed, the way that we were perceived by Gaim. Shakespeare's books, you know, changed the way people looked at a Jew in a negative way. Moneylenders, cheap, terrible people. And it was very easy for Hitler to play on his people's um, anger about the economy by blaming it all on the Jew, making the Jew the scapegoat and showing movies about how the Jews are the vermin of the world and the scourge of the earth. Today it's much harder to understand that there's a real difference between a Jew and a guy because it's such an open society. There is not a single field that a Jew cannot be a part of today. Everything. Look at just the majors, the yeshivish majors that we have in Lander College. Just that, that, you know, just those majors. Medicine, dentistry, accounting, computers, um, PT, OT, speech, PA... Uh, you know, psychology, whatever field you want to go into, business, commerce, finance, there's no restrictions, there's no boundaries. You can get a job anywhere that you want, you can wear your yarmulke in the workplace, 
you could be chummy with Goyim. It's not a problem. You know, we, we the, the the culture, the, the the music, and the movies, and the the theater, and the and whatever it is. There's really so little separation. I remember when I was a a bacher, I went. My friend got tickets to a like a post-season uh, baseball game, like a really hush of a baseball game. It was, wasn't called City Field then. It was called Shea Stadium. I don't remember exactly the game, but it was probably the greatest baseball game of all time. I, I mentioned this once, and as somebody that was a maven on the Mets, he knew immediately which game it was, what year it was, and, and exactly how many innings it went. It went into extra innings. It was to get into the, uh, I don't know, if to get into the pennant or to get into the world. I don't remember. But I'll tell you, Shea Stadium was rocking. It was extra innings, and the achdos in that stadium, the noise, the decibel level of cheering for them. I was, you know, I was caught up in the wave, not the physical. You know, I didn't do that, but you know, but but the whole ruach, you know. And then when they when the Mets won, people were hugging each other, and you know, and for a, I stopped myself, but I was tempted to. You know, hugged this big, you know, Irish lob next to me that was like, like, you know, like, he was like ready to do it. He was ready to, to give me a nice big bear hug. I like, you know, I, I took a, took a pass. But the point is that there's no, that wouldn't happen in, in Germany or in Poland a hundred years ago. You wouldn't be allowed in the stadium. You wouldn't, if you wear your yarmulke, you get killed. Today, it's such an open society. And the internet and the, you know, all that, it opened it up even more. It just blew open all doors. There's no, there's no mavdil anymore. Unless we consciously make a mavdil. Unless we remind ourselves that we are different. It's true that we're accepted. It's true we can get jobs and we can get, but that's so dangerous. It's wonderful in a sense, but it's so dangerous. The famous Beis HaLevi, Hatzileni na miyad ochav miyad eso, the Beis HaLevi says, that the Gayim sometimes appear like Achiv and sometimes like Esav. And they're both dangerous when he's your friendly brother or whether he's your venomous hater Esav. They're both horrible. Which is more dangerous, says the Beis HaLevi? The one that was put first in the Pasuk. Miad Achiv, Miad Esav. The American guy is much more dangerous than the Polish guy and the Lithuanian guy and the German guy. Much more dangerous. Many more millions of people died in, on the campuses of America than in the crematoriums of Europe. Dr. Lando Vishalm used to have a very controversial statement that he, I heard him make many times. He used to say that the American campuses, the universities... All across America, there are hundreds, thousands of universities all across America. These are the crematorium of American Jewry. It's a very stark statement to make. But what did he mean? He meant that you know how many neshamas are snuffed out every day as we're talking on the American campuses by Jews that go in there, sometimes from, sometimes not from, it doesn't matter. On a campus, you go in there and... The, the love, the embrace of the Gayim creates such a feeling of universalism. Everything is great that you know how many people fall in love with Gayish women on these campuses and intermarry or they get the hashkafa from the professors that say there is no such thing as a conscience, there is no God, Rahman al there is no Taira, there is no Arsinai. This is what 
the Gaim of America did to the Jewish soul. Much more, much more damaging the Achiv than the real Esav. So we are up against a lot in this Gullus. This is a great Gullus to be in. It's great. It's amazing on so many levels. We have so many freedoms, religious freedoms, and we're, we're, we're so blessed. It's such a Malchish al and we have to appreciate that. But the danger that goes hand in hand with that freedom, with that liberty, is so dangerous. And that's why Dr. Lander started Lander College for Men and Turo College, because he wanted to make sure that we were saved from that achiv, that we had that havdalah. And by and large, he was very, very successful. But it's our personal mission to understand this. This is something that we need to be reminded of. This is a, a mitzvah farsim type, type of shmuz, because it's so important for us to remember the simple fact that we're different that we're different, and that we can't allow ourselves to fall prey to the, to the embrace of Esav. The bite of Esav we know to stay away from, but the embrace, the kiss of Esav is so damaging, it's so, it's so potentially devastating to the Jewish soul. So this is the aside that we take from this parish of Tazria that this mitzvah of Mila, to revisit it and to understand it through the eyes of the Chinuch, to understand the importance of the Jew physically and the Jew spiritually, and how we have to understand that there is a Havdalah that's necessary between us and the guy. And the more that we're able to be mobbed, even in this society that every all barriers have been broken, all ghetto walls have been smashed, it's so important for us to remember that we're different. We have to dress different. We have to act different. We have to act on a higher level. We have to make a Kiddush Hashem. We have to be an Arla Gayim. And as much as we have to be personable to the Gayim, as much as we have to be nice to the Gayim, but we have to also always make sure to keep that distance, to keep that important distance, because if we get too close and endear ourselves too much, it's a very dangerous thing. There's a Gemara in Psachim that says that the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a sinna in the hearts of the Gayim why do Gaim hate us so much? You ever wonder why is it that Yaakov hates Esav? Why is it that through, through the millennium there's been so many Gaim that have plotted, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, to destroy Lahashmid, Laragalabi, not just Haman and Hitler, but people that if you read the history books, your hair would stand up, understanding how many cities in Europe, in, you read the Kinnis, the Kinnis on Tishabab really says a lot of what happened throughout the ages in Spain and Tachvatat and Chalmnitsky and all of these terrible pogroms and burning down cities, throwing Jews out of countries. Did you know that the Jews were thrown out of England? You think England is like a, a, a nice country with you know those beef eaters with a, the fur hat standing on guard for uh, Prince, for Queen Elizabeth? And you think like you know England must have always been like one of those nice Western countries that we're always been allies. England was terrible to Jews. England, we were killed. We were thrown out of England. They hated us. 
Germany, of course, hated us. Russia, we're there. Every, why? Why? What are we so bad? What's so bad about it? We're nice people. We're friendly people. We're good people. What do they have against the Jew? And Chazal tells us, and the Beis HaLevi elaborates on this, it's a very simple cheshpen. They don't necessarily hate us because we did something wrong. HaKadosh Baruch plants a sin on their heart because whenever we get too close to them, HaKadosh Baruch makes a separation. That's, that hatred is actually a bracha in a certain sense because it always reminded us whenever we tried to get too close, uh-uh, you ain't the same. The Meshachachma Parashbuchu Kaisai, the famous Meshachachma, the Ruach HaKaidesh Meshachachma. This was, Meshachachma was published about 15 years at least before the Holocaust. And the Meshachachma writes in Parashbuchu Kaisai, it's plain to see, he says that people think that Berlin is Yerushalayim. He says, and it's going to not end well. He describes the cycle of Golos, that the first uh, generation of Jews that move into a new country, they act very um, you know, timidly, and they act like good citizens, and they're and the, that's the first generation. They act, they act from, and they keep their minhagim. The kids say, hey, "Why do I have to do this for? Why do I have to keep Shabbos and Kashrus, whatever?" The, the guyim are accepting me; they love me. I want to break down those walls. Those are ancient rituals. I'm not interested. So, and then as soon as the guyim see that you're getting so comfortable, that you're acting like one of us, all of a sudden they get a sinner towards you. And they kick you out of the country, and start, the cycle starts all over again. And he says specifically that's going to happen in Berlin. People think Berlin is Yerushalayim. You know, is that Berlin was very similar to America. Berlin, we went, we had, we were doctors, Jews, and we were lawyers, professors, mathematicians, scientists. Very chashiv in Berlin. Berlin was like Yerushalayim. It was like the the you know the Elam Haba of, of the Jew back in those days, right before the war. And very quickly, without much warning, Hitler came in and showed the Jew that we're not the same. And Rachman al-Itzlan, if we're not careful in America and we get too comfortable and too smug, it could happen again and again. Don't think that any country is safe. We hope that it's safe. We pray that it's safe. But no country is safe because this is not... It's not a, it's not accidents of history. There's, there's a very, very important underlying reason that it happens. And so we have to be very nizer to keep our distance, to be proud of who we are, to be an Arla Gayim, but to understand intrinsically that there is a difference, both physically, spiritually, between a Yid and a Gay. And we have to make a Havdalah ben Kaidish Lachel. We have to make a Havdalah ben Arla Chayshech. And most importantly, we have to always maintain this Havdalah, Ben Yisrael, La'amen. Have a good chance.